Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, the official season preview podcast. We are here. It's game week as you're listening. It's Monday. We got a new logo in the feed. Things are looking up for football fans across the country. I watched real, meaningful, not good, but meaningful football yesterday. And that feels really good to say. Scott, it's Sunday. We're we're coming off of quote unquote week zero, which I always thought was weird branding. But uh, how are we doing on this lovely game week? I am doing phenomenal. We are so close, so close. Uh, the clock seems like it is going ten percent as fast as it usually does. Friday still feels eons away, but. Time will keep moving. We will get there. By the end of this week, we'll be watching Spartan football, which is just incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, how can you complain? We had football, like you said, on TV yesterday. I actually had I had a really fun day of sports watching, finally, for the first time since, like, February. I don't know. <laughs> I had – I'm a Chelsea guy, so Chelsea-Liverpool was on, um, and then straight into Big Ten football, and then straight into the Michigan – the Taylor-Michigan Little League team – stamping their ticket to the championship game, which I think as we record is today. So by the time this drops, they may or may not be champions of, I guess, of Little League. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a fun day, fun weekend. Um, and next weekend, I'm actually going to be camping. So I don't know if I'm even going to see the game live. I'm really hoping I'll get enough service to just like completely drive up my phone bill and watch the whole thing on my phone, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Stoke is high. Yeah, it's I, I got a little Bailey's in the coffee today. The 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 vibes are up, the energy's up. It's feels good to finally be here. We were just talking how in on one sense the clock has felt like it's it's slowed down to a halt. But on the other hand, it really snuck up on us as podcasters. A lot of the preseason stuff that we wanted to do, we just didn't really find time in the calendar for it or, or just kind of neglected it. So uh, next year we'll be a little bit more dialed into the plan, but we ended up getting through all our position previews. So uh, if you missed any of that, go back in the feed, uh, make sure you check them out. We, we grouped a few of them together, but we did end up getting through everything there and uh, yeah, we're on to predictions. So how we're going to work this today is we will go through our big 10 predictions. We 
predicted every single game of the Big Ten season and just saw how that lined up in the in the uh, standings. So it, for everybody, there's going to be a couple teams here. I'm sure that you're listening. They're like, oh, no, they're going to win way more than that or way less than that. I encourage you. There's a, a website called playoffpredictors.com. And you can go on and it has the whole Big Ten schedule and you just you have week one and then you just click who I think is going to win week two week and it just kind of tabulates as you go on and you come out with your final standings and it it gives you an interesting kind of clearer picture of who you think is is good or bad and even some of my standings surprised me a little bit so we'll get into that and then we'll take that and go game by game for the entire Michigan State schedule. We'll break that down. We'll give you who we think we're going to beat, who we think we're going to lose to, what our final record will be. And uh, yeah, before that, we got a little bit of news here. Scott, if you want to hit on some stuff, I know there's some recruiting buzz coming around the program. Yeah, a couple things this week. Um, The Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC announced their uh, Gentlemen's Agreement Alliance, (laughs) which really don't put any weight into that. yeah, I mean, they, they think they're going to have this cute little club until the SEC and their money knocks on the door again and it's all going to fall apart. No, so, but Scott, they have, a, they have a handshake deal. I don't know why, <laughs> what could go wrong. So, yeah, we're not going to spend any time on that, but figured we'd just note it. Um, the, I guess, bigger news for Michigan State this week, uh, recruiting-wise, Crystal Balls all flipped for Dylan Tatum. So a couple MSU guys on 247, a couple national guys, and Sam Webb, who does uh, Michigan coverage and had a Crystal Ball for Michigan. They all switched to um, Dylan Tatum going to Michigan State. So um, just real quick, I, I can't really believe we're in this – in this situation where we're looking at potentially four top 10 guys in the state of Michigan in this class going to Michigan state, uh, at least three of them had heavy Michigan buzz at various times in this cycle. Um, and to be in this position where, you know, Alex Van Summer and Scott, you're, you're forgetting those weren't really committable offers. Those are the (laughs) the Michigan staff. Actually, they, they cooled on those guys. They cooled on them months ago. (laughs) No, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, Mel Tucker came in, he said, we want to recruit nationally, but he also said, we want to get back to recruiting Detroit in our home state at a, at a really high level. And I think having one or two top 10 in the state guys, this cycle was probably kind of where we all figured we, you know, best case scenario, we get a couple of these guys, Antonio Gates Jr. always looked pretty strong, but if we can get Van Sumer in or Dylan Tatum or, um, you know, we'd be in good shape, but now we're looking at four of those kinds of players, um, which is just astounding. Um, and you know, it just speaks to what everybody said, wait till Mel Tucker can get these guys on campus. It certainly helps that Michigan seems to be in kind of a really weird position where none of their scenarios look very promising. Like, okay, Jim Harbaugh sticks around. You're going to win seven to 10 games a year, um, tops. And he leaves obviously players don't want to commit somewhere where the coach is, is on its way out, or you're in this weird, like one year at a time restructure it every year. I mean, it's just, it's an awkward place for them to be, which certainly helps. It's one of the reasons D'Antonio had success kind of taking over the state when he came in. Um, but it's an awesome spot to be. And obviously this talent, this class won't be on campus this year, but um, yeah, they're, they're coming and I don't think it's going to slow down. And if we can put a solid, 
you know, season of work together this year, I think it'll only snowball from there. Yeah. And one of the nice things we saw, we talk about football coming back is high school football was back this weekend. There was a bunch of games kind of uh, showcase type games at Wayne state Antonio Gates Jr. Balled out for those who haven't seen the clips, just search his name on Google. You'll, you'll find it. Um, Caton Hauser. He showed off a couple nice throws out in California with his start to the season. I'll shout out my Detroit Catholic central Shamrock starting off the year with a tough, tough loss to Chippewa Valley, but they're a good team. We got a right tackle. Um, it's actually Jason Strayhorn, the MSU analyst on the radio broadcast. It's his kid who is a freshman in high school who has an MSU offer, who has an Alabama offer. The kid is just an absolute monster. He's like 6'6", 285 and athletic as a freshman. Um, he was out there. He was actually, I was talking to Coach Mack, uh, my insider at, at CC. He said he's the first freshman and his, so Coach Mack's dad has coached at, at CC since, I don't know, like the 60s or 70s. Uh, he said he's the first freshman starting week one in the history of the program. Uh, that stuff just doesn't happen there. And this kid, he said, is just an absolute stud. He's the best prospect that that he's seen in a long time. So we're a few years away from that, but he already has an MSU offer. So I guess keep an eye out for him. But yeah, high school football's back. College football's back. The NFL's back in a couple of weeks, man. We made it. We made it. Next episode will be a game preview and the episode after that will be a game recap i can't believe it uh yeah it's it's exciting high school highlights are exciting important to remember that we are a high tier big 10 program so our recruits are going to look really good um <laughs> it doesn't mean we're the next ohio state necessarily they should be looking really good but antonio gates phenomenal week uh tyrell henry had a phenomenal week as well a couple touchdowns that i think an interception so yeah, it's always fun to see that kind of builds the excitement and, and we'll see. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys we had an interesting recruitment with, you only have so much tape, you only have so much ability to see them in camps and everything. And, and some of these guys could turn out to be quite a lot better than, than we even thought, or, I mean, there is a flip side to that coin, but we'll just hope they end up even better than we thought. Um, yeah. So week zero, we are through it, I guess we are in the football season now. Um, from a big 10 perspective, we had, you mentioned a game, good game is maybe a stretch, <laughs> but we had a game. It uh, was, it was game, a, a fun big game. 10 football start to the college football season, <laughs> man, that, that game couldn't have been more on brand for the big 10. You had probably the MVP of the game was the Illinois punter. You had a, a safety, you had a two to nothing start in a nine to nine halftime score. Like what, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And uh, two missed extra points. I was really hoping the game script would come down to Nebraska getting that last touchdown and losing on a, a failed two point conversion, just so that that kicker like was the difference. Well, and I don't know if you saw this too, the over under for the game was 52 and a half. The, so the final those, ended up, well, yeah. the, he just had to hit one of them. The final ended up at 52, I think. So Oof. if he just hits one of those extra points, it goes over. I had the under, so I'm not mad about it, but a lot of people were. And he was, I think, the Big Ten kicker of the year last year. That's yep. a good kicker yeah. who does not 
do that very in the second miss i don't know if you saw it it was i i don't know what happened there but it, it was it like dribbled off the long snappers back i i don't know man it was it was big 10 football at its peak what is it about Nebraska that makes them so fun to root against? Like they're good people from everything I've heard. People go to Lincoln, they go visit a game, they meet a Nebraska fan. They're all great people, but like something about that program, you just can't help, but just love to see these consistent collapses every year. Yeah. And I'll be at the Nebraska Michigan state game this year. That's one of them I have circled on the calendar. I might go to the Western Kentucky game as well for homecoming but scott and i both don't live in or around east lansing anymore so it's more of a trip for us to go back for a game and nebraska is going to be one of the ones i'll for sure be at and uh yeah like it's it is funny because i i've tailgated before for nebraska games and the people just couldn't be nicer but for some reason the entire country just hates their football program (laughs) i don't (laughs) it's i don't know they just kind of have that Michigan to them where, you know, they're just waiting to be back. They're talking about the nineties. You know, when you, when you say something bad about the Scott Frost era, they're like, well, yeah, you remember that time we beat you by 50 and 97. You're like, okay, dude. Like, yeah, we remember 20 years ago. So I don't know, maybe it's that, but they are just the nicest people in the world. Yeah. But they, had another rough game, rough go of it. And we'll see. I mean, maybe Brett Bielsma got, has Illinois, you know, in a lot better position. I mean, they didn't look well polished yesterday, but they made enough plays. Um, they took advantage of their opportunities and uh, pulled out a win. So, um, yeah, we'll see them again next week against UTSA, then UVA, and we'll get into each of these teams. But, um, we'll see. It'd be, it'd be great. I think to have them, obviously, whenever you can see kind of one of those basement teams elevate their play, it only makes the conference stronger, uh, especially when they're not in your division, but um, yeah. So we're going to head into week one now. So I think we should just dive, dive right into this, right? Yeah. So how we're going to set this up again, we'll start with the whole big 10 standings and then we'll go into MSU uh, after that. We'll basically do it. So I will, we'll start with the big 10 West. So I will run down my one through seven. We'll give you a couple quick hitters. What, what I predict for the record uh, and, you know, just a couple quick notes on these teams. So for, for those of you who obviously you've been following Michigan state football, you've been listening to this podcast, but I know a lot of people, uh, they don't really dive too much into what's going on in the rest of the conference until we are preparing to play one of those teams. So maybe this will give you a couple nuggets on each of these teams as, as college football starts and you're starting to watch some of these teams, uh, you know, whether Michigan State has the noon game and then you're watching whoever's at 3.30, 9 o'clock, uh, just to get an idea of what's going on with some of these squads. So we'll give you a couple quick hitters as well. So I'll go through my one to seven in the West. Scott will go through his one to seven in the West. Then we'll move over to the East one to seven, one to seven. We'll give you our big 10 champions. And then we will go to the MSU schedule and go week by week and kind of talk about some of the matchups to, to look out for early and whether we think those are going to be wins or losses. So I will kick us off here with the big 10 West. Number one, I thought about this quite a bit. I got Wisconsin. I got them going 10 and two, seven and two in the conference. They weren't great last year, but if you remember early in the year, they looked a lot better. And then they got 
their whole quarterback room got wiped out with COVID. They had a lot more COVID issues than a lot of other schools. And they've been recruiting at a very above Wisconsin level the last few years. So the talent on the roster across the board has been improved. They got Graham Mertz, who should be a good quarterback, and they got an elite defense. I think that should carry him through. They got a decently tough schedule, but most of the games are at home. So I think that bodes pretty well for him. So number one, winning the West, I got Wisconsin. Number two, I've got Minnesota in second place. I got them going nine and three, six and three in the conference. Their over-under is seven right now. So I got them pretty comfortably over that Vegas win total for any gamblers out there. They got an experienced quarterback in Tanner Morgan. I trust PJ Fleck to find a couple receivers. That's his MO, his entire coaching career. So I know they lost a lot of talent the last couple of years, but I trust him to find somebody there. And then Mohamed Ibrahim is arguably the best running back in the big 10. He dominated at times last year, their defense sucked last year. So that's going to be the big question mark for Minnesota. But I think that offense can be really, really good this year. Third place. I have Iowa going seven and five, five and four in the conference. So pretty comfortably two games behind second place in the big 10 West. Uh, their over-under is eight and a half. So I got them going a game and a half under that. I think it's it's a traditional Iowa football team. They're going to be running the ball. They're going to be playing defense. But I don't like their quarterback, Spencer Petras. I don't think he's he's very good. And they lost all of their receivers last year. They had a couple of playmakers. And I just don't know how they're going to replace that. Um, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. Like I said, they got a great secondary on defense. But... I just don't know if they have playmakers on offense that can get them past some of these toss-up games. Northwestern, I got fourth in the Big Ten West. I got them going six and six. I think, look, uh, we'll talk about Northwestern a bit more because that's our week one preview, but Hunter Johnson, they named their starting quarterback. I don't think he's very good. Uh, Brandon Joseph is maybe the best defensive back in the Big Ten, but I don't know. I I don't think they have a lot of talent, but I still trust Pat Fitzgerald to find some wins on there and get to a bowl game. Nebraska. So we did this really quick. We did this before the Nebraska Illinois game. We both had our predictions wrapped up. This was one I wrote down before we started recording. I wish I could redo this one. <laughs> I have them going five and seven and, and that's under their win total of six. And I have them what fifth in the, in the division, but after watching that game, man, I would be surprised to even see him get to five wins. So I got him at five. If I could redo this, I would probably give him three, maybe four. Uh, that's just, that was a bad football team we saw yesterday. Purdue, I got sixth in the West, uh, five and seven, three and six in the division. Same record as Nebraska. Uh, I just wrote down David Bell, David Bell, David Bell. He's one of the best receivers in the conference. He is an absolute stud. They give him the ball like 20 times a game. So for he's their team is going to go as far as David Bell can carry him. George Karloftis is a great defensive lineman as well, but David Bell is carrying this offense week in, week out. And last in the West, but in a three-way tie for last, we have Illinois five and seven, three and six in the conference. So that makes Nebraska, Purdue, and Illinois all tied for last. Uh, if we're looking at the records, uh, I actually picked them to beat Nebraska. Uh, I had their money line out on Twitter, so uh, I have receipts. 
But uh, the one thing I wrote down here after that game is if Brandon Peters, their quarterback, is out for any significant period of time, that is going to be a problem. Because I think he's a decent quarterback, and the backup came in, and he looked okay, but after his time at Rutgers, I don't trust him. So if they're running a backup quarterback out there, I, I think it could be a tough year. But if Peters comes back, they showed to be pretty well coached and that team could make some noise. So that's my big 10 West, uh, Wisconsin first, Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois, Scott, what do you got? So, um, some similarities, some differences here, um, starting at the top. I also have Wisconsin and, Somewhat rather unexpectedly to me, I have Wisconsin at 12 and 0 uh, in the regular season. I think they're going to have the edge against Notre Dame in a big week four matchup because they're going to be at home. It's really hard to go to Camp Randall and win. I think they've got the personnel. They're always going to have a strong line. They have a quarterback that's far better than their typical quarterback. Um, they're going to have their running game and they have a phenomenal defense. Uh, returning so couple key games I mean we're going to find out real early what Wisconsin's made of they play Penn State week one one of the top big 10 one of the top matchups probably in the country uh, week one so they are going to be at home against Penn State then they have a tune-up against Eastern and a bye week to prep for Notre Dame uh, and then Michigan so those first five weeks first four games we're going to know kind of where they're at and then things cool off for them a little bit to, uh, to close out the year. So uh, yeah, I like Wisconsin a lot um, more than I kind of want to like them. Uh, But here we are in the second spot. I do have Iowa. Um, It was between Iowa and Minnesota. I have Iowa uh, sitting at eight and four overall six and three in the conference overall. I really, I know the Big Ten West is traditionally not as strong, and I, I don't feel it very much this year, even for Big Ten West standards. They don't have a lot of the – they don't have, like, this, this strength in their second and third team that they sometimes do, the Iowas, the Minnesotas, the Northwesterns. I just think they're all kind of in a lull right now. Uh, we'll see, what obviously, what this season plays out. But I have Iowa going eight and four. Key week one game, again, against Indiana here. So outside of, obviously – the Michigan state game I'll be watching that Iowa, Indiana and Wisconsin, Penn state. Uh, those matchups will be kind of where I have my eyes. Um, in third, I have Minnesota. Um, they have kind of a blah schedule, fun week one, Thursday night matchup at home against Ohio state. We were talking about that a little bit. Um, maybe see some chaos there. Don't expect a win from Minnesota. Uh, their non-conference is kind of dull. And then they have a typical, Big 10 West schedule. So I also have them at eight and four, but at five and four in the conference. So sneaking in just under Iowa. Um, and then in the bottom kind of gets messy, I guess. Um, I have Purdue in fourth over Northwestern. Um, I think Purdue's going to, their passing game, they, it can win them any game with the right kind of bounces on defense Uh, They had the most productive passing game in the conference last season. And if you find a matchup um, that struggles to slow that down and it turns into a track meet, a shootout, you know, big 12 style, um, they can, they can run with anyone. It's how they upset Ohio state recently. Um, And, uh, and it'll win them a couple games this year, in my opinion, they have a big week three matchup on the road against Notre Dame. I don't expect them to win that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so Purdue in fourth. Northwestern I have in fifth. Um, I have them five and seven and only two and seven in the conference. I just, they lost so much productivity. I think before their starting running back went out for the season, they were returning 34%, somewhere in the low 30s in uh, offensive production from last season. And they lost their top running back option. I don't, also don't think Hunter Johnson is going to be particularly good. Maybe he polishes his game up a little bit later in the season, but from what we've seen from him in the big 10, he has just looked awful. Um, and they're going to struggle this year. So I have them again, five and seven overall, two and seven in the conference. Then I have Illinois who I'm happy. I put above Nebraska after the showing yesterday. Um, I don't really know what to make of them in all honesty. They have some talent in some spots, but they generally don't have the most talented roster in the conference this year, but they have kind of a tune-up non-conference schedule, UTSA, uh, UVA, which will be a nice power five matchup, but against the not a particularly strong power five team and then Charlotte in week five. So they, I expect them to go three and zero in those games and then struggle. Actually I have them losing their last six games uh, against a pretty stout big 10 schedule uh, to finish the year. And at the bottom of the West, I have Nebraska who I just do not like this year at all. I think they're going to get absolutely run out of the building against Oklahoma in week three. I don't think Scott Frost survives the season. I have them losing their last six games of the year. I think the wheels fall off in Lincoln this year. I think this team gets really discouraged. And I think the whole thing comes, the whole house of cards in Lincoln comes crashing down. Um, I have them finishing at three and nine and only one and eight in the big 10 with their only conference win in week five against Northwestern. Yeah, that, that Nebraska, I think your prediction is going to be a little closer. Uh, obviously, I don't have them finishing great, but I think three and nine seems more likely than five and seven right now. Wisconsin 12 and 0 was the surprising one from your side. That one uh, caught me off guard a little. We shared our, our predictions yesterday because we were coming up with a graphic to put on Twitter. But uh, that one, when you sent it over, I, I was a bit shocked. I the win total for them is nine and a half. So you got them just cruising past that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I like Nebraska or I like Wisconsin this year, but 12 and 0 is a bit rich for my blood. Yeah, same. It caught me off guard. Um, again, I didn't sit here and say, okay, I think they're going to finish at this record. Now let's see which games they're going to win and lose. I just went week by week, game by game. And I, and Every tough, time I came to a Wisconsin their tough game, they're all either neutral site or home. I, they just yeah. don't go on the road to play any tough teams. And that was the one thing that they, they don't play Ohio State. They get all their, you know, Penn State, Michigan, like all their tough games are at home. So Iowa's at home, Penn State's at home, Michigan, Notre Dame. I mean, their road games, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, and Minnesota. I mean, the Minnesota game, the last week of the year, sure, that could be a trap game, but I, I think by that – It's a rivalry be, game. I, I mean, they'll yeah, be up for it. They'll be up for it. They'll have their – you know, everyone should have their teams kind of uh, going on all cylinders, and I think Wisconsin's a stronger team than Minnesota. I think they'll they'll have enough to overcome the, the road situation, and I just I, – I don't see a game on the schedule where they're going to be um, – you know, not the favorite, even their two toughest games in Penn state and, and Notre Dame, they Penn state's week one. So they've had all camp to prep for it and Notre Dame, they have a bye week before it. So they're even going to get extra prep time for those games. 
So I, again, I don't necessarily think they're a 12 and 0 team just because of how strong they are, but their schedule lines up really well. And uh, yeah, I think they go into Indy this year um, with an unblemished record, trying to make their way into the playoff. I know they've been in that situation. That could before be an interesting storyline, man. If you had a 12 so, and 0 big 10, yeah, that that's a whole can of worms that we don't have time to open right now, but that could be real yeah. interesting. Uh, so, big 10 East. I'll let you kick this one off and I'll, I'll take the latter half. Yeah. So the great big 10 East, um, a lot of fun here, uh, probably some surprises, some not so surprises, but at the top, this is not going to be a surprise. I have Ohio state. Um, the first time I went through this, I think I had them either at 10 and two or 11 and one, but I, I went back to look at those losses and I, I, I decided I just don't see it happening. I think they will be 12 and 0 as well, setting up a big 10 championship of undefeateds Ohio state and Wisconsin this season. We'll get into who we the, the big 10 championship who we think will win the conference um, in a, in a few minutes here, but Ohio state 12 and 0, obviously nine and 0 in conference. Um, they have a big week two matchup against Oregon, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, Oregon should be pretty strong this year. I don't think they'll beat Ohio state, but they should look pretty good. Um, and then they have, I mean, really four games they should walk through Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, a bye week. And then the one I kind of hung up on was Indiana. Um, Indiana played them really strong last year. They'll be on the road in Bloomington, but Indiana, I mean, they'll bring Michael Penix back, assuming he's healthy for that game, but they did lose some production in elsewhere. And, and this is Ohio state. We're talking about new quarterback, but by then he should be, uh, the gears should be turning. And then, the the big week nine matchup against Penn State they get that game at home um, and from there I think they they waltz through the rest of their schedule including a week 12 win over Michigan State week 13 obviously over Michigan so uh, Ohio State they they go through 12 and 0 right behind them probably not a surprise here either Penn State in their traditional not quite good enough role in the Big Ten East I have them at 10 and 2 with a 7 and 2 conference record losses in week one against Wisconsin. And as I mentioned, week nine against Penn state, I, I almost picked the Michigan state upset here. Um, week 13, last week of the year. I just don't think Michigan state's quite going to be there yet from a competitive standpoint. Uh, we will have them at home. So that'll play in our favor and don't be surprised if Michigan state pulls off an upset there, but not ready to make that prediction quite yet. So Penn State, 10 and 2, 7 and 2 in conference, finishing second. Third, uh, Indiana, which is really, I think, the biggest wild card in the conference this year. Um, obviously, they looked phenomenal last season. Uh, Michael Penix went down with an injury, which, which slowed them down quite a bit. But they've got a tough schedule this year. They start the year uh, against Iowa on the road. I don't think they'll come out with a win. They got Idaho and then the game that we were talking about week three, Cincinnati, which is just a terrible, I don't know when they scheduled this game, but just an awful game to have on your schedule. It is at home, but Cincinnati's a top 10 team and they're a true top 10 team. Um, and Cincinnati's going to have everything to play for in that game. Cincinnati wants to be in the playoff this year. It's rare that you have a team like Cincinnati ranked high enough to make a run at the playoff, a legitimate one. Uh, they'll need some dominoes to fall in their favor, but um, they're going to be coming out 
playing hard and Indiana, I mean, they always seem to have weak points and I think they're going to lose that one at home on, I think they're going to lose against Penn state. I think they're going to lose against Ohio state. I do have them beating Michigan state again, always seem to have our number. Um, and, uh, I think they will again this year. So Indiana finishing third in the East at eight and four, six and three in the conference in fourth, um, Michigan state. So I know there've been plenty of national writers who have put us in the basement of the division and sixth in the division. I'd say sixth is probably the average from what I've seen. Um, I don't know. I think Mel Tucker, he's exceeding expectations in every other area outside of obviously games. And we haven't seen this team yet outside of a weird year last year. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. We'll get into our game by game predictions. So I'm not going to dive into the schedule too much here, but I have them finishing at seven and five. First time I went through this, I had nine and three and I'm like, okay, pull it back a little bit. Look at these games. There's going to be some losses that are unexpected. I do think we'll have some upsets, but I think we'll have some frustrating losses. It's early in the regime. We've got a lot of new pieces. Uh, I just think, it's a little too early to uh, to let this train go full throttle. Um, so Michigan State seven and five, five and four in the conference um, in fourth, right behind us Michigan, also at seven and five, but four and five in the conference. Uh, interesting week two matchup against Washington. I think they'll come out with a win. I think their first loss will come against Wisconsin um, in week five, and uh, I think they're going to struggle down the stretch. I have them losing five, four of their last five games. So. Uh, again, just not a whole lot to be excited about. Not a whole lot of improvement from last year in terms of personnel. Obviously, plenty of coaching changes, but we've seen them trying to move around coaching pieces before, and it really only gets them so far. And it just seems like at this point, it's a mental game in Ann Arbor where, you know, it's, it's like Nebraska. How confident can you really be? How many seasons have you come in thinking you're going to be great and, and things just don't work out? And I just don't see it with, with Jim Harbaugh. I don't see how he's going to break through that ceiling. And I don't think this is going to be the year he does it. Uh, bringing up kind of the basement. Uh, I do have Rutgers who I think is not going to be your typical Rutgers team. I have him making a bowl game at six and six. I have him at three and six in conference uh, finishing sixth. Uh, they have kind of a boring non-conference Temple, Syracuse, Delaware, and then a typical big tennis schedule where they're going to lose quite a few games and then bringing up the rear Maryland who could be a little stronger than your typical number seven Big Tennies team, but I just don't see a whole lot. I actually have them starting the year three and one uh, and then losing the rest of their games, losing every Big Ten game other than Illinois week three. Um, yeah, three and nine in conference or three and nine overall, one and eight in the conference, seventh in the division, and someone's got to finish last. So there you have it, my Big Ten East. Yeah, that's it's funny. So we'll go. I'll go through mine. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, the places are exactly the same. <laughs> so we the the records are a bit different. So I'll hit on that. But um, again, we we both did this independently and then just sent it to each other at the same time. And yeah, I guess when you talk about college football every week for an entire year, your your takes start to get aligned a little bit. But again, some of the records are slightly different here. So we'll talk about that, including the Michigan State one. Number one, Ohio State, like you said. I See, I, I sounds like I have a bit more faith in this Ohio State team than you do, um, where you mentioned the first run through you. you had a, I couldn't find any potential losses on the schedule. I just, I already bet them over 11 
uh, the over under is 11 right now, because I think there's no way they're winning less than 11. So if you're giving me, okay, if they lose one game, I just get my money back and they, there's no way they're losing two. They have the best receiving group in the country. Their offensive line is dominant. They had guys come back that could have gone pro their defensive line is dominant. And I know they have a new quarterback, but I think he'll be just fine thrown to those receivers. The interesting word is, is that they have a true freshman running back. I think his name is Travion Henderson. The word out of their fall camp, which is of course going to be glowing optimism as it is everywhere. But the word on him is, is that he's like already better than JK Dobbins was, which is ridiculous. He was putting up 2000 yard years left and right. So if that's true, this offense is going to be completely unstoppable, no matter who's their quarterback. Um, yeah, I don't see them losing a game, but if they do, it'll be surprising. So 12 and 0 Ohio state, number one, second place. I have Penn state finishing 10 and two. Uh, I think the beginning of last year was not Penn state football. They lost that Indiana game week one. But if you go back and look at the stats, they outgained Indiana something like 550 to 300. I mean, it wasn't even close. So if you're a believer in kind of, okay, yeah, they won or lost the game, but they played better according to the metrics and statistics. Penn State outplayed Indiana week one and lost that game. And it kind of sent them into a bit of a spiral and then they rebounded, won their last four games, I think, from last year and, and kind of showed a little bit more of what they should have been. Sean Clifford at quarterback's the big question mark, but I like their playmakers. Jahan Dotson at wide receiver is awesome. Noah Kane at running back is awesome. Uh, they got a couple playmakers on defense. That they've been recruiting at a really high level, and I, I think Penn State is just James Fra James Franklin gets way more criticism than I think he deserves. He's he's put that program right back to where they were pre-sanctions and everything. He's had like three or four 11-win seasons. Uh, I think Penn State's going to get right back on track this year. Indiana in third. I think Penix's health is going to be the big question mark because he's a great quarterback but he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. So if he can stay healthy, this team could really make some noise. He's got Ty Freifogel, who's a really good receiver. And that defense is really good. They lose the safety. Uh, Jamar Johnson, I think was his name, who was making a lot of plays for them last year, but they bring back a ton of guys on their defense who was really good last year. And Tom Allen might be the most likable coach in the country, let alone the big 10. I would, run through a brick wall for that dude any day of the week. So Indiana third place at eight and four, six and three in the, in the conference. But again, if Penix stays healthy, I, I think that team could even surpass that by a little bit. Michigan state in fourth, just like you, Scott, I have them tied with Michigan, uh, both of them at six and six, both of them at four and five which means we have a tiebreaker on our hands, which we'll get to in the Michigan state game by game preview. But yeah, I got them going six and six. I already bet them over five and it's going to come down to a couple things. You know, we got quarterback play and we got offensive line and then we got the defensive backs. I think those are the three big things where if we figure those out, it's going to be a team that goes bowling. If we don't, this could be another two, three, four win season. I think the, you mentioned a lot of the pundits out there that are picking us seventh, sixth in the, in the division and people are getting upset. 
but the reality is we weren't a good football team last year and we brought in a bunch of transfers, but that's a bunch of brand new players. We're opening with a conference game, which is tough. I, so I think a lot of the people who are getting angry, writing these angry tweets, responding to national analysts who have a seventh in the division, like you got to take a step back and realize what our program is right now and, and how the season looked last year. Yeah, we beat Northwestern, but we also lost to Iowa by 40. Like we got shut out by Indiana. I mean, the, the losses last year were bad. And I think people need to realize that we both have them predicted to go pretty well. I, I think six wins, seven wins is definitely not off the table, but I think the people who are getting angry, like legitimately mad at people picking us to win three or four games. I, I think you've got to take a step back and realize what we were last year. Like we talked about before the predictions, like just go back, watch the Rutgers game, watch the Iowa game, and then respond to those tweets. And if you still feel as confident that this is easily going to be a bull team, then okay, great. But just go back and remember those games because, you know, it, it's not a, a locked it. Like you said, nine wins. I mean, that's just, that would be outrageous. I would love Insane. it. And obviously I'm rooting for it, but yeah, we'll talk about Michigan state more Michigan. I have six and six, four and five. It's it's they're solid everywhere, but I, I just don't see any difference makers on that roster right now. And their coaching staff is just weird. I, they, promoted a quarterbacks coach who was a run game coordinator in Baltimore, like the Baltimore Ravens who never throw the ball and have been really unsuccessful in throwing the ball. So that's your new quarterback coach, their defensive coordinators coming over from the NFL. So that could bring in, you know, that's always good to hear, but could that be a, a thing where he's bringing in too complex of a scheme? Cause the NFL, they're, their team is able to spend their full time and attention learning a new scheme college. You don't have that same amount of time. I don't know. Michigan's just all over the place. I just don't think that's going to be a great team. And they they're just not as talented as they have been under Harbaugh uh, Rutgers. I got as sixth in the big 10 East. Uh, I think they're definitely getting better. I have them going five and seven. I think they're not the team that they were a few years ago, but they're still not good. I mean, their wins last year were Purdue, Maryland, and that week one game against us where we had seven turnovers and hung in it. So I just, Rutgers, their recruiting is improving and two, three years down the line, could we see this being a third or fourth place team? Sure, why not? But right now they're just not there yet. And Maryland, I have last, I have them going four and eight. I have them one and eight in the, in the Big Ten play. Mike Loxley, uh, their head coach, his career head coaching record is eight and 43. This is not a good coach. Oh my God. He, he, he's a good recruiter and they have some talent on the roster. And that's basically where I found four wins, but he, it's just not a good coaching staff. And I don't believe in them whatsoever to bring that talent together on the field. So yeah, we have the same big 10 East uh, one through seven, Ohio state, Penn state, Indiana, Michigan State, Michigan, Rutgers, Maryland, which brings us to our Big Ten Championship, Ohio State versus Wisconsin for both of us. You have two undefeated teams going into that matchup. I got Ohio State going into a 10-2 a and two Wisconsin team. And I like I, I jotted down like a, an Ohio State 38-21 to 21 
win. I just, I think this Ohio state team, I bet them plus 700 to win the national championship. I think they are loaded on both sides of the ball. And I think with, when you look around the landscape, uh, yeah, sure. Ohio state's breaking in a new quarterback, but so is Alabama. So is Clemson. It's just, this could be that year where all the things align. The last time Ohio state won a national championship, it was with a third string quarterback. So you know they have the talent on the rest of the roster to get it done, and and all it needs is Alabama to take a baby step back, and Ohio State can hang with anybody, especially with those receivers. So I got Ohio State rolling through the Big Ten, 13-0, winning the Big Ten championship comfortably, and going on to win the national title. Yeah, so I have Ohio State, Wisconsin, both 12-0, and 0, um, but very different 12 and 0. I mentioned when I was talking about Wisconsin, I don't necessarily think they're a 12 and 0 team um, just by the nature of, you know, what it takes to be undefeated. I just think it's more of a really comfortable schedule. And uh, I think it's Ohio state in the big 10 championship. I think Ohio state, or I think Wisconsin has the ability to slow down the offense. They are going to have a phenomenal defense this year. I expect them to anyway, and they'll slow them down. It won't be Ohio state, you know, 50 something to Wisconsin in the teens. It'll be a couple possessions, probably in my opinion, probably Ohio state 35, Wisconsin 21, something like that. But I just don't see Wisconsin having enough explosive playability to keep up with Ohio state to make enough plays to put together scoring drives with consistency in that game. Um, but it'll be a fun one, especially if, if my scenario, both 12 and 0 comes to fruition, obviously there'll be a lot of hype around that game. And I guess Wisconsin would make the playoff if they won. I mean, you can't keep a 13 and 0 big 10 champion out of the playoffs, So they'd be there. Um, I don't think it'd look good in the playoff, but in any event, I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be Ohio state representing the big 10 in the college football playoff. I have a very vanilla college football playoff prediction. I have Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio state. And I hate myself for it. I was sitting there. I spent as much <laughs> time on this football prediction. nowadays, man. I spent as much time on this prediction as any of my predictions, but they all look strong this year. They do all except Oklahoma. have a new quarterback this year, which is an interesting kind of uh, curveball. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I think is great. But Oklahoma always seems to be kind of the ugly stepchild in this in this uh, you know foursome. Um, I have Alabama winning the championship. I think they just they have more talent and they they kind of know the formula at this point. At least to get there, they'll obviously have to make their plays. But I think of the four, they're the strongest team. Uh, I don't think Ohio State's out of the question at this point. I think while Michigan state's not in a position to be pushing for big 10 championships yet, I think it's in our favor to hope Ohio state wins the national championship. I think it's phenomenal for the conference to be winning championships. You just have Um, to get some national titles away from the sec. That's, that's the rest of the country's job right now. It's just, that's the Alliance's job. The Alliance has been created to stop Alabama, to stop the sec. So um, yeah, I think it'll be Alabama. Super not excited about that, but um, if I'm putting my money somewhere, I haven't put it anywhere, but if I do put my money somewhere or my reputation on the line, I got to go with what I think is, is realistic. Yeah, it's it's tough think. to bet against. I totally forgot to write down a 14 playoff. So I, I for sure have Ohio state. Like I mentioned, I would for sure put Oklahoma in there. I think they're going to roll through their conference pretty easily. They got a returning quarterback, which helps them. Uh, I'll put, 
Clemson because of the fact that we saw DJ Uyunglele last year. We saw him play a couple games. We saw him put up 400, 500 yards, whatever it was against Notre Dame. So they have a new quarterback, but we've at least seen him go out and play well. And then, yeah, it's either Alabama or, or maybe Georgia sneaks by him in that SEC championship game. But I just, when you see, if, if Alabama makes it to the SEC championship game, that means they're rolling by then. And it's, I just have a hard time seeing it, but for the sake of something different and fun, it's yeah. Something different and fun. Let's put in Georgia to the playoff instead. <laughs> like that's where we're at right now, but yeah, I'll put Georgia in there. They got a returning quarterback, JT Daniels, who looked pretty good last year. And they have like, when you look at those, you know, the, the team talent composite stuff on 24 seven, like Georgia is right there. I mean, they've been recruiting neck and neck with Alabama. So, you know, they're, they got to get them one of these years and maybe this is the year. So I'll put Georgia in there for, for something slightly different. But like yeah, I said, I, I, I had have, to throw, I'm holding an Ohio state to win the national title ticket at plus 700. So I'll go with them. I think they absolutely have the talent to do it. So if I had to throw a curveball in mine, I do think these four are strong and I think it's unfortunately the reality, but if I had to swap one, I, I'd think about, I would think about UNC over Clemson. Yeah. I was thinking ACC. about them too. Sam Howell is a good looking quarterback. They're the ACC is it's, it's a good place for them to be because you can really focus your energy on two or three games in the year. And, and the bottom of the ACC is just really bad. So you, you get through your Clemson, you know, you get through Syracuse is, is a team that likes to be an upset creator. I don't think they're going to compete for a conference title, but you do have to pay attention to them with the, you know, the games they've won in the last few years. But um, yeah, if you can get through Clemson, um, Miami is another wild card in there. You get through those couple games, uh, you got a strong chance to get through to, uh, to the college football playoff. I, I don't think UNC is quite there yet. I know Sam Howell's got a lot of hype around him. I just don't think they have all the pieces that you really need to get to that level. Yeah. They but lost, again, I think you, they lost both their running backs and their top two receivers or something to the NFL, but they have all five offensive line coming back, which is really exciting. And yeah, North Carolina, I love Mac Brown fun coach i i think those are the best uniforms in college football so i would love to Ugh, see it just I for the him. aesthetic reasons um but yeah north you mentioned it earlier just to touch on it i guess because we won't hit on it too much the rest of the year this if there is ever a year in a 14 playoff where a g5 is going to get in since he might have the schedule to do it and the preseason ranking, which we all know is, is annoying that it is meaningless, but it is, it is meaningful when, when you see that high number early, it's harder to make them fall down than it is to have a low number early and climb up the rankings. And we just know that from years and years and years of history. So if you're already starting up there, it gives you a little heads up and you play Notre Dame and Indiana outside of your conference. So if you get a couple, you know, you get a two loss conference champion here and there. If, if Clemson runs into a game that they shouldn't lose to like Pitt or something like that, you get a, a, a two loss sec champion, whatever the case may be, this could be the year where you could make an argument just because they do play 
a highly ranked Indiana team and a Notre Dame team that's always going to be good and highly ranked under Brian Kelly. So that's an interesting kind of dynamic to it this year that, that we've never had because they're already highly ranked in the preseason. That that's something we've never really seen. I would love it. Honestly, I think it would be so good for the game to see a team like that. Um, I don't think it would be like some break through the glass ceiling and all of a sudden group of five teams are like unlocked and they're, you know, doing crazy things. I think it would still be an exception, but yeah, I mean, you go through the first four weeks of your year and you have road wins against a top half of the big 10 East Indiana team and a consistent top 10 to 15 program in Notre Dame, again, both on the road, you're sitting on a really strong, and then you just go through your conference schedule and you win out, which, I mean, there's games in there. you got to keep an eye on UCF. UCF um, you've got, I mean, there's really Tulsa has been much. pretty good recently. Yeah. They've uh, there's enough good teams on there where it could just boost the resume just enough. Right. If UCF is a nine, 10 win team, they have enough of a national presence by now that that's, mm -hmm. that's a resume booster, not just like a, eh, you beat a group of five. That's something that'll actually work in your favor. Yeah. And and you just, you know, you win your conference games, you buy your time and you let the chaos and the power five kind of play out and enough teams above you, you know, drop off that you're, you're making a claim at the end of the year, you throw in a strong, conference championship at the end of the year depending on who the opponent is and they've got a chance um but you lose one game and that's it so right. we'll see i mean it's going to be hard to beat indiana and notre dame on the road so it, that this may not be a conversation come october yeah so i don't know there's there's a lot of teams out there that i like but don't love where if if we had a 12 team format which looks like it's going to be Something that I was against, but I'm starting to just warm up to because I like college football games and that means like some fun college football games. So, and, and then the other part too, is we talked about like brackets, like we can do a bracket challenge for the, the playoff. You can like preseason, like, okay, predict your top four. It's the same four. predicting a top 12 to get into the play that, that becomes a bit more interesting. Um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of like, I like Florida. I already bet them over nine wins, but that's not a playoff team. Um, Oregon out West. It's a good team. It's not a playoff team. Uh, same with Arizona state. I love Arizona state. Jaden Daniels. I love him at quarterback, but it's just not, not quite. If we're talking top four, you're talking Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio state, Oklahoma. They're just so much more talented. So yeah, I don't know, but Let's. Uh, oh, we have spent far too much time yeah. on this. We got. Well, we kept it time. under an hour though, so far. So that <laughs> I think that's that's good for us. All right. Well, we got to get into the the meat of it here. Um, our Michigan State Spartans and their schedule. We will obviously be breaking down every one of these games. Come right. game, and we've week. been talking about it all off season. So we'll try to keep this part relatively timely. But it is interesting, I think, to get some quick notes on on the teams that we're playing and and how we think we match up kind of early and looking uh, into the, some of these games. So starting this week, we are here this week. When this drops, it will be four <laughs> days away. Uh, Today is Drew Stanton days. Tomorrow, who's number four? Um, I think Plexico Burris was four. I want to say there's, yeah, there's a couple guys out there. So. But yeah, we'll, we'll do a um, whole pod to preview this game so quick hitters on northwestern 
Northwestern, Hunter Johnson's going to be the quarterback, has looked absolutely horrible in his time in the Big Ten, looked okay at Clemson, but obviously got washed out there. Um, lost almost all of their offensive productivity. Will have a decent defense, but lost their top two linebackers. Pass rush should be okay, but lost their top pass rusher. Just have a lot of <laughs> gaps to fill. By the end of the year, they should be the fighting Pat Fitzgeralds that we all know and love. But week one, I don't think they're going to have the firepower to keep up with us. It'll be chaotic. It'll be ugly. A lot of new faces on both sides. I think Michigan State comes out with a close win. Yep. I got him for a W as well. And that, that you just mentioned is the key to me. I think by the end of this year, it's going to be a Pat Fitzgerald team, but week one, when they're replacing so much, I, I just have a hard time seeing them come out and, and being just locked in and dialed in and, and mistake free. I, I just think we get them at the right time. So I think going on the road to Northwestern, I think we start off one and oh with a win. We both got us one and oh. Youngstown State week two don't have to spend too much time here they're a lower division football team who finished one in six last year this should be a game where you can get some of the freshmen in you get the backups in uh, the question I have Scott really quick this is kind of this maybe is my over under for the week um, by the young the the conclusion of the Youngstown State game do we have a full-time starting quarterback so I was going to ask you a question about this. That's very similar. <laughs> so let's get into this a little bit. We'll try to keep it short, but let's say we get through Northwestern with one quarterback, right? And we win I the think, game. I think we're going to, so that's, I guess, another time we'll talk about it more, but I think we'll see both quarterbacks against Northwestern. That's my preview there. So my, that was kind of my, okay. By the end of Youngstown state, have we made it a full time? So we get through Northwestern, there's kind of a clear starter-ish, but both guys get in the game, but whoever's number one still looked good enough to really not stoke the fire against him too much, right? Youngstown State, we're going to see both quarterbacks, assuming we play really well. So the challenge is, if number two keeps playing too well through Youngstown State, there's (laughs) going to be too big of a faction of fans and whoever else in the program who's like, well, this guy looked good too, and I don't think we're going to have it put to bed. That's the problem. That was, yeah, that was basically my question was I, maybe I phrased it wrong, but I, I do think we're going to see both in Youngstown state just because of the nature of whether it's, there's still a battle or because we're up 35 to two um, you're going to see both. So I guess by, by Miami coming out of the Youngstown state game, is it a clear somebody's job? But yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's that you make a good point there where, if both of guys are playing well, it's a great problem to have, but it's definitely still a problem. <laughs> and the challenge is with a game like Miami, you're on the road against a, t- a ranked team with a great quarterback in Derek King, assuming he's up and running again, fully healthy, stays healthy through the first couple of weeks. You really need your number one guy to really go into that game with any sense of confidence. Like that's not a game where you're experimenting unless you're just, unless you don't expect to win. Um, but if you want to go in there and, and sneak out a win headed back home, uh, you've got to know who your guy is. So I think that's why I think this Northwestern game, we might, if it stays close, only see one quarterback. Um, I think Youngstown state is your, is your definitely let's see both guys game, but if Northwestern stays close and we name a quarterback, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the whole game. Um, I don't, I just don't get the impression from Mel Tucker that he's the type of guy who's going to experiment too deep into the season. So 
I made my prediction that it'll be uh, Peyton Thorne coming out against Northwestern. I think he plays the whole game unless he looks really bad. And Youngstown State, I think you see Anthony Rousseau, but assuming Peyton Thorne, again, this is just my scenario, assuming Peyton Thorne continues to look good, puts us up by a couple of possessions before we start messing around against Youngstown, I think he's he's your guy going into Miami. And I think it's yeah. – if you're 2-0 – I think whoever started week one is your starter at Miami. Yeah. So that's, there's an interesting layer. So first of all, I guess there is Mel Tucker has his weekly press conference on Tuesday. So if he's going to name a quarterback before Northwestern, it'll be on Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. I don't think he will, but that's, that's the only time it would happen. Um, But that was kind of something I've been tossing around in my head of, okay, if this is a, 55 45 if it's a 51 49 type of okay it's close but we're gonna start the game with this guy if if he just goes out there let's say it's peyton thorn right and i and the staff is committed to okay we want to see both guys out there week one in game action we we think the battle is still close enough to where we want to see both of them out there week one but if it's Peyton Thorne, if it's Anthony Rousseau, it doesn't matter. If they go out and lead touchdown drives on the first four possessions, does the other guy still come in or do they just say, okay, he was our slight lean going into this one and he just went out there and lit it up and took the job? Or is it still like, okay, well, he led those four touchdown drives, but let's see what the other guy can do now and still put him in there. That's an inch. I guess it's a philosophical kind of QB battle question and how close is it really? But that's something I've tossed around in my head. Yeah. And we haven't been through this situation with Mel Tucker. Obviously last year there was a QB battle, but it was a mess and the whole season. And and was it really a QB battle is, you know, kind of in hindsight, like, going into week or one or did Rocky just play so bad that they forced their right well that's the thing like going into week one I don't know if it was really a battle I think it was just Rocky Lombardi's our starting quarterback and then it just he played himself out of the job my impression of Mel Tucker and the way that he's going to run the program is that he wants to name a guy and say even if it's 55 45 say okay the the 55 guy, the guy that's going to start, you're our guy. And if you play well, it is your job because I think it just means so much to have that stability for the rest of the team to know this is our QB. This is the kind of offense we're trying to run. These are the plays we're going to be calling. Um, and I, I think it just, the stability aspect is, is really important. I think Mel Tucker's going to say, all right, we had our off season to play our games to play out our QB competition, but this is our starter. And I think as long as that guy is playing well enough, um, it's going to, he's going to be the starter game in and game out, even if the other guy comes in in garbage time or, you know, in mm-hmm. a reserve position and plays well. Yeah. So I think we, we both got us starting off two and oh, right. Northwestern yep. and Youngstown state. I think Youngstown state's a pretty clear W. Then we go week three at Miami. You mentioned the kind of storyline with Derek King. He's coming off a torn ACL, but the word is that he's going to be ready for that week one game they have against Alabama, a uh, neutral site in Atlanta, I believe. Uh, the thing with Miami, I think they're clearly the more talented team right now, and I think that they are possibly a 10-win football team. And I have them written down, I have this as a loss. 
The interesting part, though, is they're going to be coming off a week one game against Alabama and a week two game against Appalachian State. Those are two tough games. And I think maybe the, 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 the case for us winning this game is that Miami has kind of subconsciously circled MSU as the like, all right, well, Alabama, obviously that's a tough non-conference game. And then we're going to play week two where you're still emotions, energy, early season is okay. Appalachian state, we have to win this one. And then subconsciously, maybe Michigan state is the one where like, all right, yeah, we'll get that one and then get into ACC play and then just kind of overlook us. But I, I think they're just, they're more talented there. We have to travel to Miami. I think there's a lot of dynamics in play here. And I think Derek King, if he's healthy, that dude is really, really, really tough to stop. So Let me I got paint you a picture. Let me paint you a picture of Derek King. It's like third and eight. And we run man coverage and Oh, they God, run deep. I know where they this clear is out the whole I know exactly where this is going. All you've got is De'Eric King breaking the pocket with Noah Harvey yep. playing contain. Yep. I'm on the field side, all the grass you could possibly need. And you know what happens next. Taylor Martinez, not Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez did it yesterday against Illinois, 75 yard touchdown run. That's the kind of thing that I, I stay up at night <laughs> worrying about. I just don't think we have enough. To and you look at like our them. pass rushers. I mean, Drew Beasley and Jacob Panishuk, solid, but not that level of athlete that even if they get home, getting their hands on Eric, on De'Ara King is tough, man. So if he, if yeah. he can break contain, he can outrun those dudes without breaking a sweat. And like you said, he can outrun Noah Harvey without breaking a sweat. So is there some sort of spy with Quaveris Crouch who is athletic enough to, to keep him kind of in front of him? But I, I don't know what the game plan is going to be there because, yeah, between the defensive ends and one of your linebackers, you have three guys who aren't even on the same planet athletically. So keeping him in the pocket is going to be really difficult. Yeah, so I have it as a loss as well. It's it's a tough game. It's going to be a great national measuring stick. I think Northwestern is a measuring stick in the sense that you know kind of Northwestern's got a kind of a high floor, low ceiling. So you kind of know the team you're up against. And if you win that one, you feel pretty good. But Miami's the first true, like, can we hang with a big dog? They're going to be good this year. Their over-under is for wins this season is nine. Um, they're, they're a strong team. They should be ranked throughout the year. Um, and maybe we'll be pushing for a potential ACC championship. So um, it's a really tough game again on the road in the heat. It's going to be early in the season. Still uh, the heat and humidity. That I did see I, we, we tossed around something before the podcast of an idea of the message board comment of the week, just to highlight some outrageous message board shit, but Michigan state fans to our credit. I was looking for like 30 minutes. I couldn't find much, you know, we're pretty level headed. It seems, but there was one comment. Somebody posted something about, um, you know, having to go down to Miami and play in that heat and humidity. And the comment was basically like, well, it's been a hot summer, so we're used to it. I'm like, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Florida summer is not Michigan summer, man. That is a totally different ball game, man. 
Yeah, no, it'll yeah, be tough. Be I tough mean, obviously, game. tough environment. The conditions are. We'll see what how they how they play out. But uh, yeah, I don't think we'll have it quite put together yet. To uh, to, I mean, I hope we'll be competitive. Honestly, we could get blown out. You know, we could be sent back to Michigan with our our tail between our legs. But we'll see. Um, hopefully, it'll be a competitive game. I think the upset's pretty unlikely, but it's it's hard to know. And we didn't even see much of Derek King last season. Did he play at all? I know he was injured. At he got injured like week three or four. I want to say he played at the okay. start of the year for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't see much of him though. So it's really hard to know what Miami will look like, but I do think with a full strength Derek King, yeah. it's going to be too much to handle. So and again, if he's week not, four, that could be one where we could walk out with a surprise W, but I, I just think he's ready. He's playing and that that's going to mean a loss. So week four in Nebraska, week four, not at Nebraska, against nebraska For, yeah, in spartan yeah. state like i said I'll, so, I'll be there in action i i still i get nightmares about 2015 whenever i think about michigan state nebraska oh, God, um, that call that that pass interference call that i still get sick about um but anyway we won't get into that i think nebraska i already mentioned it earlier is going to have an awful year i think mel tucker is going to play a significant part in chasing scott frost out of town um, this is a game that Nebraska is going to be circling on the calendar saying, got to win this one, you know, Michigan state's down. We're going to be on the road, be a great win to get crossover game, steal one there. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think Michigan state's going to win. I think it'll be another ugly game, maybe kind of like Michigan state Rutgers last year. Hopefully we won't have quite as many mistakes, but it's going to be one of those like two teams that are just scratching and clawing for very different reasons, but it's going to be kind of desperate on both sides. And I think Michigan state's going to have more to play for kind of with the pendulum swinging in our favor right now. So yeah, I think, well, again, it might be tough to, uh, to contain Adrian Martinez at times, very athletic quarterback, but they just, they have such a knack for shooting themselves in the foot and giving the other team opportunities to beat them. And I, I, I don't have, see any reason to believe they won't do it for Michigan state as well. I think we come out with a win sitting at three and one. Yeah. It's, it's two teams and staffs that are heading in complete opposite directions. Mel Tucker year two, the arrows pointing up. Everybody's excited. Scott Frost year four, year five, year four, year four. I think. Uh, arrows pointing down. The fans are not excited. They're looking for what, how much the buyout is and can they chip in on a GoFundMe? <laughs> and so like, yeah, they, I have this as a win again. We did this before that game, uh, from yesterday. And I feel even better about it, obviously, than, than I did going into it. The one thing that did scare me a little bit is that Nebraska pass rush was really good. Yesterday they got home. They they injured Brandon Peters, but they were I think they had like three sacks in the first quarter. Uh, so we we got to make sure we keep that pass rush in check. But they've shown that you can run on them. Their their defense in general was just not really that good. They're not well coached. I, I just think this is a game, especially because we get them at home. If this was in Lincoln, I think it might be a coin flip game. Just talent-wise, I think these teams are relatively equal if we're looking at raw talent on the roster. But I think they're just so poorly coached, and we get them at home. I think that's a W. So we both have a, us 3-1 and one here in the first kind of period, the first third of the schedule going into another non-conference game versus Western Kentucky. Uh, Hilltoppers. The Hilltoppers, they they have a full like tempo offense. They're one of those like 
we're going to try to run 500 offensive plays in this game. Uh, so that could be something to look out for, but they were five and seven in a, in a bad conference last year. Uh, I just, I, I don't think this is one we need to worry too much about. I got us as a win four and one to start the year. Yeah. I see this as an opportunity to get this running game really going. Uh, you mentioned the tempo that Western Kentucky will try to play with. We're going to be trying to counteract that with a lot of time possession on the other side of the ball get the running game going, keep the clock moving, slow it down uh, and get some of these running backs comfortable, hopefully get quite a few of them comfortable. If we can build, uh, you know, a decent lead here, look for four, five, six running backs to get touches in this game. Hopefully we win it comfortably. We did have trouble against Utah state a couple years ago. I know it's a very different team, very different coaching staff now, but that was the last non-conference game where we really saw that high tempo like seven, eight, nine seconds between snaps. And they gave us quite a fight. So hopefully we won't run into that situation again. Um, but I have us winning pretty comfortably, not quite as, as big a blowout as Youngstown State, but I think we'll win by two and a half, three possessions. And then probably maybe the most interesting game on the schedule here at Rutgers in Piscataway. I will you, be there. Scott will be there fighting amongst the trash of New Jersey that will be at that football <laughs> game. No, all um, 17 of them. Yeah. So you got a revenge game here. Uh, Rutgers. The thing is, again, I mentioned earlier, like they, they weren't as good as a lot of people seemed to think they were coming out of the year. I think a lot of people were thinking like, Oh, this is a good big 10 team. It's like, no, 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 no. They weren't a good Big Ten team. They they were a probably the best bad Big Ten team. And maybe there's something to hang your hat on there. But they were, if you look at like every major statistic, offensively and defensively, like running yards per game, passing yards per game, total yards, all that, they were like 80 plus in everything last year. I mean, they weren't a good football team. They were opportunistic. They they made they played a couple close close games, but at the end of the day, you remember we hung in that game until the end and we lost by two scores, but we hung in it till the end with seven turnovers. If we turn the ball over four times, which is still a lot, we probably win that game or at least have a shot to win it right at the end. So I have a hard time seeing us win this game because of the way that last year's went. I think this staff and this roster will be dialed in for this one. And I think we're going to go into Piscataway we're going to come out with a W and at that point, we're going to be three and O in the conference and five and one overall by my metrics Whew. here. Whew. That's going to be a fun time. I also have a win there. I mentioned I will be down there. I live about 45 minutes from Piscataway um, up by New York city. And I'm stoked. I don't get a lot of opportunities to see Michigan state in person these days. Um, I've been waiting for them to come back. I missed the game two years ago in Piscataway. Uh, I'm stoked to be there. Should I, I think I can get like literally front row seats for like $80. Like it's <laughs> going to be awesome. Really looking forward to that. Weekend. I'm sure the get in win. price, like if you're just looking for a ticket, I'm sure you could get into that game for 15 bucks. Yeah. I was going to say sub $20 <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, and there's not really a bad seat. It's not the biggest place. It's like one big bowl. Um, so yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be having a good time. And uh, I think we will win again. They're everything you said, 
you know, we, we handed them this, this win on a silver platter and it blew their heads up the size of oh, Texas. I mean, they, they really think they're like, they're back. Uh, whatever that means for Rutgers. Greg Shiano was a good coach for them. Uh, they did not play. They played, I think in the big East back then. Yep. Right. The, his first time. And they won one or two conference titles. I think. No, the thing, the no. thing is like, when you look at this is people say, Oh, Rutgers is back. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Because even when they had a couple good seasons, they didn't even win the big East. That was when West Virginia was rolling too. And, and West Virginia took them down. But yeah, even the good Rutgers teams were like nine and three. And that's like historically great Rutgers. Yeah. So I don't expect to have, honestly, I think we'll win by multiple possessions. I think maybe we'll make a few mistakes that keep it close. But I think, as you mentioned, Mel Tucker is going to make sure these guys are ready for this game this year. Um, and they're going to come out and I think they're just going to want to put their foot down. I mentioned before we started recording, this is a game you, you really want to win for Mel Tucker. I mean, you, you really want to establish yourself as listen, you know, we're still rebuilding. We got some things we're working on. We're not what we were, you know, five, 10 years ago, but we're still better than Rutgers. Okay. You know, pecking order year in and year out, we are a much better program than them. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to be able to say that you got to just go out and beat them and you got to look strong doing it. I think we win by 14, 17, something like that. So like you said, five and one, maybe we crack the top 25. I mean, (laughs) Oh, we, we might be one of those uh, also getting votes. That would be nice. There we go. I'll take it. I'll take it. I think we <laughs> also received, received votes. One vote at some point last year. We had like one point in the AP. <laughs> but anyway, so five and one heading into a tough matchup against in- Indiana. Um, in Bloomington on the road. Yeah. And Indiana, they play a brand of football that just, it's really tough for us to stop for whatever reason. They get the ball out into space really quickly and you have to really make sure tackles against strong athletes consistently. And their defense is just better than it should be every year. And maybe they are to us what we are to Northwestern, where even when we feel like we have a strong team, they just, for whatever reason, find a way to play us really strong. And they just have a little bit more talent than us right now. And they've been playing together longer and they have a lot of program momentum. So I think it's going to be a tough one for us. Yeah. And and we talk about like turnovers is kind of a fluky, lucky stat, not for everybody. Indiana is a team that just, it's a philosophical thing. Their defense is going to force turnovers. That's what they do. That's what they practice. And year in, year out under Tom Allen, they're near the top of the country in terms of forcing turnovers. So while for most teams, it's something that's going to fluctuate. You're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. Indiana's one of those teams that just does it every single year because that's what they, that's their philosophy on defense. And again, I love Tom Allen. Um, the, the, the matchup I circled on this one is Ty Freifogel, their receiver. He ran all over us last year. So everybody remembers mm-hmm. that name. I think he had like 200 yards against us. Um, is, is Ronald Williams, the real deal here because he can match up with him with size, Ronald Williams being something like six, two. Um, I, I think that could be an interesting matchup there. So I, I do have this as a loss though. I think Indiana is just, they're, they're a better program right now. They're a better team right now. They have the better quarterback. And I think we're going on the road. It's going to be a tough one to win. They shut us out last year, man. I, I think yeah. we're going to be better for sure but I don't think Indiana's taken a big step back and 24 to nothing 
is is still very deep into my memory. So I, I think that's going to be a tough one to win. And for me, I, I don't know about your schedule. For me, this has a start in a pretty bad downward spiral to end the year. I got one more win the rest of the season. So we would be five and two at this point. And then I have us going one and four down the stretch. And we'll talk about what that one win will be in just a moment here. But uh, yeah, this is where the schedule starts getting really tough for us. Yeah. So we come into week eight with a bye, um, prepping for Michigan, which is awesome. I think it's the perfect spot in the schedule to have our bye. If you had to pick, if you had to move it around, I think, you know, five and one, you come into Indiana, you put a lot of effort into Indiana. They're going to be a really strong team. And uh, you know, you really want that win. I think we come up a little bit short, but either way, you know, the guys will have put a lot into that. We'll be ready for kind of that breather week. And it gives us the week, the extra week to prep for Michigan, which obviously is um, the biggest game on our schedule every year. The one we want to win the most. I don't think I need to introduce it too much, but last season we stole one and Michigan is going to be absolutely furious about that. And they are going to be coming in with just as much energy as we are. Uh, It's in Spartan stadium. And again, there's fans this year and we, we haven't really talked about that on this episode. That's going to make a difference. Yeah. That's going to make a huge difference. People in the stands in Spartan stadium for a Michigan game for the first time. And and it feels like a long three years for, for the people that are going to be there. Yeah. First time in three years, we played them obviously on the road with no fans last year. We played them on the road with fans the year before. Um, And the last time we played in Spartan stadium, I think that we got, that was like that, I don't remember. It wasn't like 44 to seven like that. It was, it was the year we had like negative rushing yards. Right, it was or, the 2018 and we were in it early because we, we scooped up a fumble and it was something like seven to seven or 10 to 10. I can't remember. Like we were either up or tied going like pretty deep into the second quarter. And then it just, the wheels fell off and, and they started rolling away from us. But yeah. So if we're five and two, and I have Michigan here coming into this game at six and one, uh, that's not going to be the picture by the end of the year. But if it's, I mean, if that's it, that could have a ranked match. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> nuts. Um, and, you know, the belief in Mel Tucker, the hype train is going to be rolling full steam. Jim Harbaugh have his hype train going again, ready to run off the rails at any moment. <laughs> As always. And, and the rails tradition. will. And, and that, that coming off the rails will start in East Lansing this year. I think um, again, Michigan just seems to be at this plateau last year. I do think was an anomaly. They'll be good. Not great again this year, I think, but they're just, they don't have a spark. Um, Cade McNamara should still be their quarterback. And he just seems like kind of a good, not great. Yeah. Like he's trying to be a little more than he is. Cause that's what the coaches are asking him to be, but he's still like, I mean, I, I have that, that stinking, what if we went out kind of video stuck <laughs> in my head, you know? And it's like, that's him trying to hype up his team. That's like a microcosm of his leadership abilities. And it's just a little bit like cringy. It's, it's one where if you're the, if you're the Michigan program, I don't think you want that out there. Right. Like right. I think you want to keep that one under wraps, <laughs> that clip. Yeah. So, so I think we win this one. I think it's going to be, I don't think as much chaos as earlier season games. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. I think it's going to be a bruising game. 
Um, and it's honestly probably as much a 50 50 for me as you're going to see, but I think playing at home and just playing with Mel Tucker's energy and the typical chip that we have in this game where it means a little bit more to us than it means to them, I think gives us the energy to, uh, to make the plays we need to and come out with a one possession win. Yeah. There aren't too many matchup things I'll talk about here. I, I just simply wrote down, I'm not picking us to lose to Michigan at home. That's really what it came down to. Like, like you said, both teams are going to come into this one pissed off. We're going to have a bye week, which means after two full weeks of preparing for Michigan, these guys are going to be foaming at the mouth to come out and hit somebody. Uh, I just think Michigan is, is not a great team right now, and they're not that talented right now. And so if you're giving me two relatively equal teams, I think just, just based on how they recruit year in, year out, they're still going to have the nod on talent. They almost always will. But if it's if it's relatively close and you're giving me a game at home, I, I think we're going to come out with this one on top. And Mel Tucker's going to start his career two and zero against Michigan, which would be awesome. Quick note, since we're talking about it, I don't know if you saw this, but it was just in my head. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, the the former Michigan running yes. back, went to UCLA. Elite. So he came out and had like three touchdowns, 150 yards, week one, and there was maybe the tweet of the weekend somebody photoshopped the sign in the Michigan locker room. And it was those who transfer will be champions. champions. I lost. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I I just think at the end of the day, we got them at home. We got people in the stands. We're going to be foaming at the mouth after a bye week. I just, I can't pick us to lose this game. I just can't. Yeah. So six and two again, looking probably a lot better than, we would have expected two years ago um, setting us up royally for the <laughs> trap game on this schedule against Purdue. At uh, Purdue. We compared notes here at Purdue. We compared sleepy. Notes it's going to be a sleepy noon game. <laughs> yep. And I think we both have Purdue. Lo- we have Michigan state losing to Purdue here. They again, sleepy, you know, West Lafayette, not a whole lot of environment to get you. 10,000 people there tops right and Purdue's passing attack is just going to run circles around us um we'll make enough plays to keep it close we're not going to get drubbed by Purdue but uh I think it's just going to be a frustrating game where we can't quite get the legs under us and and match their intensity and uh we lose by one or two scores um this was one that was hilarious to me because again we didn't talk we we independently made our own predictions for the whole big 10 independently made our whole week by week predictions for michigan state and this was one where i wrote down michigan state losing to purdue and i was sure that that this would be a difference of i knew we were gonna have us both beating michigan i knew we were both having be i knew where you were gonna go because again we talk about michigan state football weekly the entire year together like we kind of know where our heads are at for most of these games i thought this was one we were going to be different but it turns out that's not the case i have a couple so you mentioned it's coming off the michigan game uh mel tucker has been a head coach for two years and I, I kind of went back because I was like, this is a guy that kind of just feels like he's got a history of winning some really big games and losing some games he shouldn't. And I went back to, to so last year, we, we had that huge win against Michigan. The following week was that disaster against Iowa. 
And sure, that was just yeah. a better team, but you lose by 40 the week after an emotional win. Uh, after Northwestern, we played Ohio State, so maybe it's just not fair. But if you remember, Ohio State had like 40 guys out from COVID, and we still got blasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then two years ago at Colorado, he had a big win on the road at Arizona State, who was a nine-win team, and then came out the following week at home against Arizona and lost. Uh, same season, you had a, a huge win against Washington, who's a perennial Pac-12 you know, contender. They beat Washington, and then the following week, they lost by 30 against Utah. And so it, it just, it is a bit of a trend for Mel Tucker to follow up a big win with a bad loss. So I, I think, again, you, you mix in that history from him, you mix in a just sleepy noon game with 6,000 people in the stands against Purdue. I think it's going to be sloppy. And I think that, that Purdue is, this was one that I wrote down as, as a loss. The next week is where, so kind of my, where I, I, I just went week by week. Again, you kind of mentioned this earlier. I didn't have like a, okay, we're going to go six and six. Where are the six wins? Or we're going to go seven or whatever. I just went week by week. Okay. Week one, Northwestern, do we beat them? Yes or no. And just went down and, and whatever the result was, was the result. But I, I started getting down to the, the Maryland game. And again, at this point, we had, I had a schedule to win at Northwestern. I had a schedule to win against Michigan. Uh, there was just a couple of those wins that probably, if you're looking at a national person, wouldn't have us winning. And I just felt like, okay, this is a staff. This is a team who I think is going to win a couple games we probably shouldn't and lose a couple games we probably shouldn't. And this was another one I circled was like, again, Maryland at home, you're coming off of a game against Purdue that, that could be tough. And then you're going right into the last two games are Ohio state and Penn state. And it's just one that could sneak up on you. And again, I think Mike Loxley is a terrible head coach, but I do think uh, Talia Tagovailoa, their quarterback, showed some really good flashes last year. They have some receivers. I mean, they have plenty of four-star type talent on the roster. So it's just a matter of like, can they get the one game of the year where just everything comes together and, and their coach can't screw it up? And maybe this is the one. In a, I wrote down here, in a vacuum, I think we, we should win this game seven, eight times out of ten. But it's just one of those where I came into the, the feeling of like, all right, we're probably going to win a couple of these games that we shouldn't. We're probably going to lose a couple of these games that we shouldn't. And this was just one where I was like, you know, I, I just I don't like the spot in the schedule. I, I'm going to give us a loss here. But again, I, I think we're a better team than Maryland. I want to make that clear. I think we should win this game in a vacuum. But I, I just I, I didn't get a good feeling about this one when I wrote it down. Yeah, I. I'm going to take the opposite approach. I think this is the only game we're actually deferring on our predictions. And that's where yep. my seven and this, five yep. comes in against <laughs> six and six. I think for me, if I'm in the Michigan state locker room and I'm looking at our schedule, this is kind of the last real winnable game. Not to say we couldn't pull off an upset against Penn state, something like that. But when you're really just looking objectively at this schedule and you're like coming off a Purdue loss, you're sitting bowl eligible, but you're sitting at six and three and you're like, man, getting a seventh win would be nice. 
Maryland's the team to do it against. I don't think they're going to overlook this, especially if you come through a Purdue game where you maybe did overlook it a little bit and lost. I think, you know, that's kind of a slap in the face, wake up call. Hey, you know, you got to get back to winning these games. You need to be winning to be the program you want to be. And I think Maryland, we win. I think they just, they just don't have what it takes to, to take that next step and start winning games like this regularly. It's at home. Um, it's not the last home game of the year, but it's the, really the last winnable home game of the year, if we're being honest. Um, and I think we pull it out, um, putting us at seven and three, heading into just an awful gauntlet to end the year with Ohio State and Penn State. So uh, and I, that's and, where we'll go. I mean, I won't spend. And I think ahead. the nice thing, though, is I would rather have those two late than early. I mean, I, I would rather yeah. not have <clears throat> starting the year with uh, – you know, a 40 point loss to Ohio state and a loss against a talented Penn state. And then the wheels fall off because you're losing confidence. I'd rather have it late than early. Yep. Yeah. So week 12, seven and three heading into Ohio state at 10 and L Ohio state is at this point, full steam ahead towards the college football playoff. Their quarterback is comfortable, probably getting some Heisman chatter. Who knows? Um, somebody on their team will be. And it's just in the shoe late in the season, we've kind of, if we're at seven and three, kind of gotten to where we wanted to be. I think our goal will be bowl eligibility. Obviously you won't be saying that publicly. You'll be saying you want to win every one of your games, but if we're sitting at seven and three, we're feeling real good and it's Ohio state. And I don't think anyone's going into this year expecting Mel Tucker to compete with Ohio state. I don't even think Mel Tucker is, if you could get an honest answer out of him. Um, And I think it'll be ugly again. I think not 55 to seven ugly, but maybe like 45 to 14 ugly. Like I just, they're on another level. They're going to be great again this year. And it's just too many athletes all over the field. They're going to expose every one of our weaknesses and it's going to stink. So plan something else for November 20th. Um, have a backup plan for the second half to, to keep yourself occupied. I don't think it's going to be fun. I don't like talking about Michigan State football this way, but it's just not, I don't see a way to be competitive yet in this game this year. Yeah, I my notes for this one I wrote down at OSU, LOL. That's that's pretty much my analysis here. You remember it, you you what you said there kind of reminded me uh, where if if we're coming in like you said with seven wins and we've kind of already accomplished what we thought we were going to. You remember 2017? We were coming in to play Ohio State. I, I'm pretty sure it was in the shoe. And, you know, we were coming in seven and seven wins, seven and two, seven and three, something like that. We were ranked like top 15 in the country and Ohio state had a couple losses already. And it was like, well, hold on a second here. Like maybe we could, they blasted us 48 to three. And so I think, you know, if we are coming into this one with seven wins or something and people are kind of, you know, oh, let me put you know, let me bet Michigan state against the spread. I think we can at least keep it close. Like just remember 2017. That's, that's my only advice here. This one will be, yeah, that was, that was 35 to three at halftime. Um, and it was not close. We were both seven and two coming into that game and we were kind of a trendy pick, you know, Ohio state. Oh, maybe they're a little softer. I remember putting money on us against the spread. I I distinctly remember that. And I remember, 
like five minutes into the second quarter being like, yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't expect too much from that week. Obviously I'll be watching. I joke about making other plans, but uh, I'll be watching with one eye. The other yeah. eye will be doing something else. Um, and week 13, which I think is a really fun matchup. Much more winnable than the previous one. Yeah. We played them tough last year with the awkward quarterback situation and everything else going on last season. It was close. We probably should have won after, you know, given where we were at at halftime, just couldn't really put everything together for a full four quarters. Um, I still have this as a loss. I think Penn state just has too much talent uh, on their team right now for us to really contain them for four quarters again. Um, but it's definitely kind of one of those upset ones you have on the, on your mind, you know, going into the end of the year, maybe Penn state's already out of the big 10 championship conversation. Things are kind of settled in the standings and, and yeah, obviously what you want to have that last win, but it's not really a defining moment for either team's season. And, uh, Late in the year, the conditions are going to be a factor. It's going to be cold, sleepy Thanksgiving weekend. The stands probably aren't going to be full. Um, and everybody's kind of just looking towards the postseason, a bowl game, and, and the holidays coming up. And um, I think it's a great opportunity to put a staple on the season for Mel Tucker. They're going to be playing hard. They're going to want this one, certainly. Um, a lot's going to play out between now and then. The storylines will be entirely different than they are now. Could be an upset. But I don't think it will be. I think Penn State comes out with, uh, you know, maybe like a 10-point win in this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo a lot of what you said here. I think there there is a chance, you know, we could hang in this one. This is this is one I wrote down where don't waste your money on betting MSU against the spread against Ohio State because it's just not going to happen. This is one where if, if this is like a 13-point spread or something like that, uh, in favor of Penn State, this is one where I, I might sprinkle some down on Michigan State ag- against the spread, not not money line, but um, I think this is one we could certainly keep close. It's at home. It's the last game of the season, so there's a chance maybe some things didn't work out for us early, and we're fighting for bowl eligibility. We're fighting for a sixth win. Um, there's a lot that could come into play here where the last game can be really – emotional one way or the other whether the team is playing for nothing like you said maybe Penn State's already out of the east and maybe they've already gotten two three losses on the schedule by this time and they're just kind of checked out they don't really care about fighting for their outback bowl berth or whatever Um, this is one that just emotionally could be interesting but yeah I just I just think their total team talent on both sides of the ball is a little bit too much for us. Like you said, I could see this easily being like a four point loss. I I could see us being close in this one. I could also see this being one where we're similar to last year, but you know, something where we're, we're close at halftime and they just kind of pull away in the end. Um, I just, no, I don't think we're there yet where I think we can absolutely go in and compete with the Indianas of the world. Uh, with the Iowas of the world this year, I, I don't think we're at the level of Penn State yet. So I, I think that's going to take some time to get Mel Tucker and their this group up to that kind of talent level across the board. So that's where we got. Uh, again, the the only difference we had is that Maryland game, and again, that was one where I think we're a better team, but I just I I, I felt a chaos loss somewhere on the schedule there, and and that one kind of lined up for us. So we got us both of us got Michigan State going bowling. I got us at I got us at six and six. Scott has us at seven and five. 
that was a doozy of an episode. We got, we gave you our entire big 10 conference standings. We gave you our week by week, Michigan state preview. Hopefully this time next year, I don't feel as dumb as I did this time last year, giving these (laughs) predictions because we were way too optimistic last year. Hopefully our optimism is uh, warranted this year and Mel Tucker can get this team bowling Uh, before we get out of here again on Thursday, you will have our game preview for that Northwestern game. We'll, we'll dig into some of the matchups and and get a little more specific Friday. Friday We'll have picks. You'll have our picks for the Michigan state Northwestern game for some of the other big games. There's a ton of week one, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa. There are some great week one games. We'll give you our picks for obviously the Michigan State game and then the other big games on the schedule. We have to figure out, uh, we'll we'll put a poll out there on Twitter. We'll come up with a couple options. We're going to do kind of a contest between the two of us. So the fans, you can follow along as you're listening and kind of keep track of our records against the spread. And uh, the winner will get something, whether it's like a, a piece of apparel of Michigan State apparel, like a Michigan State sweatshirt or hat or, or whatever, or whether we want to do like um, something, you know, buy a, a bottle of, you know, the a bottle of alcohol of the winner's choosing, you know, a nice bottle of whiskey or something. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with a couple options that we deem uh, okay. And then we'll maybe we'll put that out on Twitter and you guys can decide what the winner will receive for that year long contest. And then we're going to get you guys involved as well. So keep following standingroomspartans.com and you are going to be able to put your picks in with us. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll get you guys on the podcast or for some of these, we'll, we're trying to figure out how to spice up these picks as much as we can, but just follow along on Twitter and on the website and, and you'll keep getting the updates as we do it at Standing Room MSU on Twitter at Spartan Martin 18 on Twitter. Standingroomspartans.com is the website. And anything else before we get out of here? Game week. It's game all. week. Game week, game week, game week. That's all, folks. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting. If you haven't already, make sure you leave a review for us on Apple Podcast. We really appreciate that. Subscribe, share with your friends. The season is here, people. Your friends and family deserve to hear our angelic voices talking about Michigan State football this year. So make sure you share it with your friends and family. And we will see you guys Thursday. Have a great start of your week. We'll see you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.